Good morning. In September, Sue and I spent a really good week up at Northumberland, not far from Bamborough, and we explored Bamborough Castle. It's a beautiful part of the country. Uh, while we were there, we came across a series of three books that described the, the history of some of that region with the different kings that served there. And one of those kings was called Edwin. Uh, and Edwin married a young lady from Kent who was a Christian. He was a pagan. She was a Christian. And this young lady came on condition she could bring her faith with her. She brought a priest and, and her faith. And before that long, Edwin himself was baptized and then encouraged all the lords of the area around to be baptized as well. And it all looked wonderful, this amazing revival going on, uh, pagans becoming Christians all over the place. That was until Edwin was killed. And then the pagans who become Christians weren't sure that this God they were now worshipping could lead them in victory, and so they turned back to their pagan gods, which caused me to ask the question, what should we expect when we begin to embrace this Christian faith? What changes should we expect to happen in our lives when we put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior? Does that mean we're never going to have a defeat, never going to have a problem? No, it doesn't. But what does it mean then, positively? Well, first of all, we can know for certain that when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, that our sins are forgiven. No matter what we've done or where we've been or what's happened in our lives, the Bible tells us that if we'll confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins, and it gets better, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What an amazing promise that is, that you and I can know our past mistakes and sins forgiven and forgotten by him who knows all. The hymn writer put it well, I think, when he wrote, My sin or the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross and I bear it no more. He bore it, I don't. It is well. It is well with my soul. That's the great blessing that can happen for you and me today to know that our past with its sins and mistakes can be forgiven by God and it's over. It's past. God chooses not to remember it. He's not forgetful. He just chooses not to remember. But that's only the beginning. And the other thing that we can expect to happen as we begin to put our trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, that he begins a work of transformation in our lives. And that there's a radical change in the way that we think and speak and act and the person that we become. No character in the Bible illustrates this more clearly than the character I've been encouraged to speak on this morning. We're in the New Testament in Luke chapter 19 verses 1 to 10. And we're going to look at the one-time despised outcast who became the respected citizen. The one who was excluded from society, who then hosted the best party in town. I'm speaking of Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, 
When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector at Jericho. Now, Jericho was situated on the trade routes. It was a wonderful place to collect taxes as the produce were brought in. He was not just a tax collector, notice, but a chief tax collector, which meant he had other people serving under him. Now, what the tax collectors did in that day, they would purchase from the Roman authorities the right to extract taxes. And they would pay to the Roman authorities the tax the Romans demanded, but they would keep for themselves the additional taxes they had charged on people. Therefore, for several reasons, they were despised. They were despised because they were cheating people. They were despised because they were collaborating with the oppressive Roman Empire. And Zacchaeus, also being short of stature, was often overlooked. So here was a man who was dishonest, He was barred from the synagogue, and the crowd called him a sinner, verse 7. Yet, seldom in the history of humankind has a life been more radically changed than that of Zacchaeus. Despite who he was, despite his lack of stature, despite his bad reputation, he became a noted follower of Jesus Christ. How did this transformation happen? Let's look at the stages through which this relationship with Jesus developed. The first step was, it all began with a search. Verses 1 and 4. Jesus is coming through Jericho. Verse 2, a man there by the name of Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. Verse 3, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. He was someone who was prepared to put himself out to try and encounter Jesus. Now, why was he so interested in meeting Jesus at all? What was so special about Jesus? Well, you turn back a couple of pages in your Bible bit difficult on your laptop, a couple of pages in your Bible, and you come to Luke 15, verses 1 and 2. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. That's Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and, rests and eats with them. So he'd obviously heard from his colleagues that Jesus was someone who, although he was a very important man in society, a, a celebra- he, he was a celebrity nonetheless, and yet he had time for the outcast and for the sinner, and especially for tax collectors. Consequently, 
When Jesus was coming that way, he said, I'd like to get a glimpse of this guy who has time for us. And so he ran ahead, put into one side his dignity. He acted like a little boy as he climbed the tree. He was searching for Jesus. Although he was despised, and although the crowd would no doubt be hostile, and although they called him a sinner, he wanted to meet the one who seeks and saves lost people. If you stuck with Luke chapter 15, you'd find that Jesus said quite a bit about his desire to reach lost things. He spoke about a lost sheep, the one out of the flock that was straying, and he was like the good shepherd seeking the one that was lost. You might say one that was dangerously lost. A sheep on its own is incredibly vulnerable. That's why they flock together. And then he talked about a lost coin. A coin that was hopelessly lost somewhere in the house. And then he spoke about a lost son. A son that was willfully lost. He lost himself. But no matter what, whether it was dangerously lost, hopelessly lost, or willfully lost... Jesus was one who seeks lost people. But you know, the good news of this passage is not just that Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus. The good news of this passage is that Jesus was seeking Zacchaeus. You may wonder about faith and about Jesus and about God. And you wonder, is there more to encounter than what I've encountered? And maybe you think it's all up to you to try and reach out for him. But the good news is that before ever we reach out for him, he's reached out to us. I don't know whether you remember, you're old enough to remember, as I, the old hymn from the Methodist hymn book. To him that begins in loving kindness, Jesus came. My soul in mercy to reclaim, and from the depths of sin and shame, through grace, he lifted me. Verse 2. He called me long before I heard... Before my sinful heart was stirred, but when I took him at his word, forgiven, he lifted me. And the chorus? From sinking sands, he lifted me. With what? Powerful hands, mighty hands, he lifted me. From shades of night to plains of light, praise the Lord, he lifted me. So this is the good news. To have a relationship with Jesus Christ is not all dependent on us reaching out and searching for him, But as in the story of Zacchaeus, Jesus is ready and willing and searching for us. This is remarkable because Jesus was now on his last journey. He was on his journey to Jerusalem. And those of you that have been to Israel recently will know that from Jericho, you go up the hills towards Jerusalem. He was on that journey. But as he made that journey, he had time to stop to meet a despised tax collector. He knew all about him. He knew his name, Zacchaeus. I'm coming to your house. He knew about his position, stuck up a tree. He knew about what was going on in his life. And verse 10 tells us, of Luke 19, that the Son of Man comes to seek and to save lost, the lost. If you ever felt lost, not, one, not know what's going on, Wonder where, where your purpose has gone? That, idealized, that idealistic ideas when you were younger about what you would do and what you would be, and now the reality dawns and it isn't quite as you expected. 
I remember a, a missionary in Greece saying that you know he had this dream of being in, in Greece and pastoring a church, but he said the dream turned to a nightmare. It sometimes happens like that. But if we feel that we are lost, there's someone who's seeking us. There's someone who's reaching out their hand to us. And the first step to our transformation is this. There's a search. We search, but he searches too. Verse 5 to 7. The search led to an encounter. Verse 5. An invitation that Jesus gave to Zacchaeus. He called him by name. He invited him down and said, I must stay at your house today. The answer that Zacchaeus gave to Jesus, he came down at once, and here's the crux of the story, the next few words, and welcomed him gladly. A life is transformed when a person, no matter what their reputation has been, begin to welcome Jesus gladly and see him as their savior. The whole story changes at that point. And your life and my life has or can change at that point where we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. The past is forgotten and now Zacchaeus the tax collector is not. He becomes Zacchaeus the generous man, but that's to come. Why is this so important to receive Jesus gladly? It's important because the Apostle John told us, as he recorded in chapter 1, verse 12 of his gospel, to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, it's not just about me being forgiven and left on my own, but now I'm adopted into a new family. I have a new father, so I can pray to my heavenly father and know that I've got an amazing family, and they meet at CFM every Sunday morning, and we're brothers and sisters in this family because I've had an encounter with the Lord Jesus, and now I've become a child of God. Although this amazing encounter took place, there were those that were critical, Critical of Jesus, it seems, verse 7. He's gone to have a meal with a sinner, be the guest of a sinner. Next words, Zacchaeus stood up. That's quite a significant little phrase, isn't it? He'd been up a tree, sort of hiding away, peering down, and now he's by Jesus and he's standing up. Because, you see, he's met someone who believes in him. He's met someone who has time for him. He's met someone who wants to actually visit his house. And his whole opinion of himself must have changed in that moment that he welcomed Jesus gladly. And now he's able to stand tall, although he wasn't very tall. He stood up by Jesus. Because he was with Jesus. I wonder, has your search for faith led to an encounter with Jesus? It may not be as dramatic as Zacchaeus or as dramatic as Saul on the road to Damascus. But has there reached that point where you've welcomed him gladly? The search has ended. The encounter has begun. No longer are you 
reaching out for God, but you've got, he's got hold of your hand and you've got hold of his, and you walk into the future with him as your guide and your protector. Which leads, verses 8 and 9, a search led to an encounter, an encounter led to a transformation. Verses 8 and 9, let's look at that. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 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 here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'll pay it back four times the amount. What a transformation for someone that was gaining income through cheating. Now he's generous, half his goods to the poor. And he's going way beyond what was demanded in the Old Testament law. We haven't time to look at it, but if you went to Numbers chapter 5, you'd find that if someone was cheating and confessed their crime, they are to pay back the amount plus 20%. If, however, an animal was stolen, they got to pay back two animals. If the animal that was stolen died, they got to pay back four animals. But Zacchaeus goes beyond even the most generous requirements of the law when he says, half of what I've got I'll give to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone, (laughs) big if, isn't it? I'm not a big if. I have cheated people, and I will restore that fourfold, beyond what the law says. Because the person who's encountered Jesus doesn't just do what the law demands. He, do, he does what grace brings possible. In other words, having been welcomed graciously by a loving Savior, I want to be gracious and generous in my giving. The church should be one of the most generous institutions or organizations in the whole of the world. There's something strange and something wrong about a Christian who is tight, stingy. Doesn't add up, you know. To, to have encountered Jesus, we should be generous and just love the joy of giving. We get a chance every Sunday morning, first of the month, and I know it caught some of us by surprise, possibly this morning, but a chance to be generous. And I know most of us probably give by standing order anyway. But here is someone who is demonstrating the transformation in very practical ways, and to which Jesus says, verse 9, Today, salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of of Abraham. There was a transformation in Zacchaeus' business life. Now he's generous. There was a transformation in his family life. Jesus came to his home. There was a transformation in his personal life because he's now seen as a true son of Abraham. I wonder what proofs there are in your life and mine that we've encountered Jesus. I wonder if it changes the way we handle money. That can be the biggest test of our faith. As many of you know, I grew up in a rural area on the edge of the Yorkshire Dales. And uh, it's true to say that a local auction mart, the Methodist men weren't always seen as generous. Uh, Methodists were often seen as shall we say, tight. Hanging on to their money. You see, 
They'd listened to the two points of John Wesley's sermon, but forgot the third. John Wesley's famous sermon on money was this. Earn all you can. Good Methodist. Earn all you can. Second, save all you can. Good Methodist. Oh, but the third point, give all you can. Be generous. Zacchaeus is generous. I wonder, does your bank account and mine know that we're Christians? Do do what we spend our money on illustrate the fact that we are following the one who came to seek and save lost people? Notice, Zacchaeus knew exactly where to send his money that Jesus would approve of. The poor. How generous are we? Christmas is a time often when we support charities. Uh, Salvation Army have a good appeal going out at the moment. Mostly must say it moved us to help people who don't have homes at Christmas, but not just at Christmas. What sort of transformation are people seeing? A search led to an encounter. An encounter led to a transformation. And Jesus finishes, or this passage finishes with these words, the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and save what was lost. I wonder where you are in this stages of developing relationship with Jesus. Are you a searcher? He's searching for you. Have you encountered him? Have you welcomed him gladly? Are you allowing him to change the way you think and speak and act, particularly in the way that you relate to other people in a generous attitude, whether financially generous or just in the attitudes generous to a fault? Isaiah 55, 6 reads like this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God. For he will freely pardon. Let's turn to the one who will have mercy on us. And pardon us. And we get a chance to do that in a few moments' time as we take communion together. God bless you.